called, so, so in order to go to Joshua 23, we first have to go back to Joshua 1. God is calling and he is commissioning Joshua. He gave him a promise. Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. This is the promise that God gave to Joshua. He says, no one, listen to this, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. How many of you want that promise? Yeah, all of us, I hope. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. How many of you have ever had somebody stand up against you? Yeah, well, just Esther. All right. <laughs> Esther, they might say something. I don't know. No. Uh, we love you, Esther. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. I want that promise. God said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Never will I leave you nor forsake you. See, we said we want that promise. I want that promise. That, that, that no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. The question is... We want that promise. Is that promise solely for Joshua, or is that promise for each and every one of us? As I was with Moses, he says, I will be with you. So I will never leave you nor forsake you. Brutal enemies occupy the promised land. That God was calling Joshua to lead the people into. Joshua's men were untested, untrained in battle. Remember, they were wilderness people, and now they're getting ready to go and, and, and try to conquer the enemy. Joshua's leadership was unproven. Everyone had looked up to Moses. They looked up to Moses, the one that, that spoke face to face with the Lord. Moses is the one that, that uh, scaled the mountain and, and came back down with the Ten Commandments and did it again after he got a bit angry and broke them, right? Moses was the man. And now Joshua's trying to step in. And yet, despite the odds, God said to Joshua right at the beginning of his leadership, before they were tested in battle, before they stepped foot into the Promised Land, God says to him, despite the odds, I'm guaranteeing victory. You're going to win. You're going to be victorious. It was as if God told him, Jericho has its thick, tall walls, but you have me. The Amorites they have home field advantage, but you have the king of heaven on your side. Your enemies have more chariots. They have more experience. They have more artillery. But I am stronger still. Amen? God said, never will I leave you or forsake you. I will never leave your side. I will never forget about you. And God gives us that same promise. Aren't we happy? Aren't we so very thankful that this promise isn't just for Joshua? That God didn't say, Joshua, I'm with you. I'm never going to forget about you. But everyone else in creation, you know what? They're on their own. No, God gives us this same promise. The writer of Hebrews reminds us of this promise. In chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, God said, 
Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's talking about you and me. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. We say that with confidence. Sometimes we say that with some timidity, don't we? And the Lord's my helper. I don't really want to be afraid. I'm going to step into this. God, I know I'm not supposed to be afraid. The writer of Hebrews said, we proclaim it with confidence. The Lord is my helper. So I will not be afraid. What can mere men, some versions say, what can mere mortals, some versions say, what can anyone do to me? What can anyone do to me? That last question, that's a troubling question, friends. What can anyone do to me? They can lie to me. They can deceive. They can injure. They can slander. They can harass. They can terrorize. They can bully. Amen? Some of you have found that to be true. Maybe all of us have found that to be true. What can anyone do to me? They can do a lot of things to me. See... Scripture puts this in in a completely different context. It asks a, a broader question. Since the Lord is my helper, what can anyone do to me? Since the Lord is by my side, what can anyone do to me? Since God never forgets about me or forsakes me, what can anyone do to me? It's a, it's a proclamation of great confidence. That's why we're to proclaim it with confidence. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? The Greek word for helper in here, when it says the Lord is my helper, it's actually made up of two words, two Greek words that mean, the first means to shout, and the second means to run. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my shout to run. That means that when we need help, when someone lies or deceives or harasses or slanders, when we come up against an enemy attack, we give a call out to our helper who is next to us, and he comes not only with a run, but with a shout. He never leaves you, ever. Think about that. He never takes a nap. He never takes a day off, never takes a vacation, never takes time off. He never leaves your side. And he never forgets about you. The best news that we find in Joshua is not only that God stays with us. That's profound, and that's glorious news, right? That's news that, 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 that drives us into battle without fear, with great confidence, proclaiming God is with me. But the greatest news of Joshua is not just that God never leaves us, but that God fights for us. Amen? You see... Not only, we've been talking about this for weeks, does God want you to live in the promised land and to live a promised land life, a life of peace, joy, and fulfillment. God fights for you so that you can 
so many of us, we've tried to do it alone. You ever try to do it alone? Come on. We try to do it alone and we, we, we fail and we fail and then we retreat. Back to the wilderness. God's delivered me. I haven't lost my salvation. I'm not going back to Egypt where I'm in bondage. But I'm just going to stay in the wilderness a little bit longer because it's comfortable here. And I, I know that I'm not experiencing all that God wants of me, but I'm comfortable and I know the wilderness. And then we, we get up the courage and we cross the Jordan River, metaphorically of course, and we head back into the promised land and we say, this time it's going to be different. We pick up our weapons and we go in armed for battle all by ourselves. And we start swinging and we get tired. And we forget that God is next to us. And we forget that God's already won the battle. Are you still with me? Did I lose myself in my head? See, this is the main point of Joshua's victory speech. They come to the end of Joshua's life. This is the main point of his victory speech to the Hebrew army, to God's people, and to you and to me as we look back on Joshua's life and his legacy and the conquest that Joshua had experienced with the Hebrew people that God had led them through. So we got to picture Joshua. As we go to Joshua 23, picture Joshua, this great commander of God, as he stands before the army to deliver one of his final messages. Joshua, at this point, is 110 years old. And he stands up and he says this. Joshua 23, verse 1. After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then old and well advanced in years, summoned all of Israel, their elders, their leaders, judges, and officials, and he said to them, I am old, and I am advanced in years. Imagine Joshua. Standing up there with this, this, this wave of white hair, right? Chest-length beard. His back is stooped, but his voice is strong. Joshua standing up there before the people. He raises his hands to speak. And everyone falls silent. He had led them out of the wilderness. Through the Jordan River into Canaan, when Joshua speaks, people listen. So here's what he says, verse 3. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all the nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Now consider all that these people had seen. Consider all that these people had, had seen the Jordan River open before their very eyes. The walls of Jericho crumbled upon the trumpet blast. The sun stood still in the sky as their enemies scattered. See, the Hebrews, they inhabited farms that they had never sown or plowed. 
the Hebrews ate from vineyards that they had never planted or attended to. And Joshua wanted them to remember, in light of everything that you've seen, in light of everything that you are now experiencing, this life that you are living, it was the Lord your God who fought for you. Don't lose that truth, he tells the army. Don't lose that reality, he tells all of God's people. It was the Lord, your God, who fought for you, who put you in this position, who blessed you, who did that miracle. It was the Lord, your God, who fought for you. I wonder, too, if we have heard, if we've received, if we truly know and understand this truth. How many miracles has God performed before your very eyes? It was the Lord, your God, who fought for you. How many victories has God granted to you? It was the Lord, your God, who fought for you. How many blessings has God sent your way? It was the Lord, your God, who fought for you. For you. See, if you hear nothing else this morning, if you walk away this morning, you leave this place, or you tune out of, of Facebook and you got to scan other things, if you hear nothing else, hear this reality. God fights for you. God fights for you. God not only stays with you, God fights for you. And because God fights for you, what can anyone else do to you? What can they bring against you? How can they harm you? See, you and I, we've been invited. Every one of us, we've been invited to enter and to inhabit the promised land. To live in the promised land life with Jesus. For Jesus. It's our inheritance. And so that's what Joshua says here in verse 4. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain. The nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Great Sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you, and you will take possession of their land, as the Lord your God has promised to you. See, God desires for you to live in the promised land life, and he fights for you so that you can. It's not as if once you're in the promised land, God says, well, there it is. Make the best of it. You're on your own. And he turns and leaves us. No, God says, I'm here with you. And I'm going to continue to provide for you as long as you rely on me, as long as you stay with me, and as long as you let me take that fight in my time and in my way. And as you live in the promised land life, God's going to continue to fight for you. God's going to continue to fight for you. Think about those words. I just can't get over those words. God fights for you. Hear those words this morning, friends. God fights 
for you. Say this with me. God fights for me. Make it personal. God fights for you. He takes that battle. Whatever that battle is. And I do believe that for many of us, that battle is forefront on our mind right now. Maybe it's a struggle in your, in your career. Maybe it's a relationship that you're struggling with right now. Maybe it's a financial battle that is before you. Maybe it's an actual physical struggle that you're dealing with right now. The reality is, God fights for you. And maybe you don't like his timing. Maybe you don't like his ways. But it doesn't much matter because God is fighting the battle for you. And your alternative is nothing. Your alternative is to turn and run back into the wilderness and live a miserable life all the days that you spend here on earth. Well, that sounds great, doesn't it? That's not in the notes. I shouldn't have said that. God fights for you. Get that. We need to get that in our head. God, that is the CEO, the president, the, the king, the supreme ruler, the ultimate authority, the master creator, sustainer of everything in heaven and on earth. God, he wants interference for you. And he provides cover for you. God has your back at all times and in all ways. He is perfect. He is tirelessly strong. He is unquestionably capable. He is endlessly wise and willing. God, he fights and he deploys angels. He controls the, the weather, commands the winds. And he fights for, he fights for your health. He fights for your mind. He fights for your future. He fights for your family. He fights for your faith. He fights for your redemption. God fights for you. That's right, you. He fights for you. I, I am overwhelmed when I think that God fights for me. He fights for you. Not just everybody else. You, personally. You with your blemished history. With your scarred past. With your stained reputation with your broken relationships with your sinful streaks and your secret addictions God fights for you whether you're rich or poor whether you failed or you found victory God fights for you see the greatest news of the Bible is not that you fight for God but that God fights for you. God fights for you. He fights on your behalf because God fights for your soul. When God became flesh in Jesus Christ, he fought for your soul. 
When Jesus faced Satan in the desert, he was fighting for your peace. When Jesus stood up for the neglected, he was standing up for you. When Jesus died on the cross, he was fighting for your salvation. When Jesus gave his Holy Spirit to guide and to strengthen and to comfort, he was fighting for your promised land life. If you desire to take possession of the inheritance that is yours in Jesus Christ, that is the promised land life filled with peace and joy and fulfillment, if you desire to take a hold of that inheritance that is yours in Jesus Christ, you must take a hold of this truth. You must make it yours. You must live it out daily. God fights for you. You were never meant to live in the promised land alone. You were never meant to live in the promised land alone. Let me say this a different way. You were never meant to come up against the enemy armies on your own and to conquer the battles that wage in this world against you alone. God fights for you. And for some of you, today is the day to turn everything over to God and let Him truly have that fight. And I'm not solely talking about the, your, your salvation and saying this is the day that you come to know Jesus as your Savior. For some of you, that might be the reality. But I think the greatest struggle in the church is that so many people are saved, but they don't live the life of, 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 of joy and peace that is truly offered because we do not truly understand all that God is willing and able to do for us. And so we take the salvation, we say, thank you, Jesus, I'll see you at the pearly gates. And then we, we struggle and we, 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 we falter through this life and continue to ask ourselves in the church the same question that millions of other people are asking around the world outside the church. Is this all there really is to this life? The reality is, according to Joshua and according to God, no. God invites us into the promised land. He invites us to have peace all the time by His name. He invites us to experience joy all the time by His Spirit. He invites us to, to truly hold on to fulfillment in this life by His purpose. So as we go to prayer this morning, I just have a few questions here. For you to consider. For us all to consider. The first is, have you given your future to Christ? Have you given your future to Christ? God, this, these, these are the days that are uncertain. I don't know what, what is going to happen a year from now. I don't know what's going to happen a week from now. God, I can't predict it. And I really can't plan it out. We know that to be true more, to, more now than maybe ever before in our lives. 
Have you given your future to Christ? God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm giving it over to you. I'm depending on you. What you will do with it, what you will do with it. Your purpose, your will be done. Have you given your future to Christ? Are you content with that? Have you given your heart to Christ? God, everything that I do is dedicated to you. Just laying it all before you. Have you given your mind to Christ? That's difficult. That's difficult. I talked to a young man this week. He's confessed, confessed some sin in his life recently. So, but then the sin just keeps coming back to my mind. Just keeps coming back to my mind. Keeps coming back to my mind. How do we... What, what, what do I do about that? I come back to the scripture. I can't tell you the reference to it at the moment. I come back to the scripture. It says, take every thought captive. Present it to the Lord. Take every thought captive. Well, that sounds great on paper. You try to do that? It's difficult. Amen? Take every thought captive. Submit it to the Lord. So we, we began to talk. Well, how do you do that, pastor? So he said, how do you do that, pastor? I laughed and I said, well, I don't know. I'm not, uh, I, can't, I can't say that I found victory in every area, but submit or take every thought captive, submit it to the Lord. I guess it would be like this. If, if I have a thought that's not pleasing to the Lord, if I have a thought that is uh, tempting or sinful, I take it captive. That is, I own it. I know what it is. And then I submit it to the Lord. I, I can tell you that it's going to be really, really embarrassing. It's going to be really humbling. Be really convicting if I take that thought captive and it's not pleasing to the Lord, and then I, I present it to the Lord, I submit it to the Lord, and then I continue to go on and sin in that thought. That's a tough thing to do. Take every thought captive. Have you given your mind to Christ? It's not enough to give your heart to Christ. Give everything in your life to Christ, your future, your heart, your mind. Have you given every battle in your life? over to Christ, even if you haven't yet found victory over him. I think that the, the struggle is we, as human beings, we try to find victory first, and then we, we go to the Lord and say, God, I found victory, so now I'm ready to pre present myself before you. God says, no, 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 I want to fight for you. So if God's going to fight for us, and we have to come to him when we're in the midst of battle. We have to come to him before we've found victory on our own, because the reality is, you won't find victory on your own. Not in the promised land with God. Not in the way God intends. Have you given your future, your heart, your mind, and your battles over to Jesus Christ? I want to pray for us right now. God, my... Your heart, Lord Jesus, is that each and every one of us come to truly live and inhabit the promised land. Lord God, your heart is that each and every one of us, Lord Jesus, truly know what it is to find victory in the promised land. God, I thank you for this, this, this scripture today. I thank you, God, for the words of Joshua for us. And I thank you, Lord God, for this reminder that you fight for us. us what that truly means. God, as we leave this place here in a few minutes, would you etch those words on our hearts and on our mind? Would you etch those words, Lord Jesus, on the future that is before us? 
That God, when we come up against struggles, battles, pains, when we find, Lord God, struggles in relationships, finances, health, whatever it may be, but God, when those words come back to us, God fights for you. And God, today, if there are any that is sitting before you right now, God, have areas of life that, that need to just be turned over to you, submitted to you, given to you, hold, Lord Jesus, would your Holy Spirit speak? Give an awareness to us and help us, Lord God, to courageously present it before you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for fighting for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the victory you promised to us. We give you praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I just want to challenge you to do one more thing. As you go this week, I want to challenge you to do one more thing, and that is to Memorize a verse of scripture. I want you to I want to challenge you to memorize Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. I'm going to read it here in a minute for you. Hebrews 13, 6. That's my challenge. Memorize, that's about half of it. Memorize Hebrews 13, 6. And the other half of it is then proclaim it with confidence. Memorize Hebrews 13, 6, and proclaim it with confidence. So we say with confidence, this is Hebrews 13, 6. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? I challenge you, memorize Hebrews 13, 6, and proclaim it. With confidence, because I do believe that it will make a profound difference in your walk and in your life this week. Praise the Lord. Let's